This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel host coming to you from the ARN studios. High atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, the fifth day of February 2024. And this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. How are you this morning? Did you have a good weekend? Did you have a good day at church yesterday? Um, more about this later. I was not at church yesterday because I was up at the winter retreat at Camp Upmost. Um, I was in chapel. <laughs> Um, we had, uh, yeah, we had a morning chapel, um, and, uh, then we, everybody went home after lunch. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to our Monday meanderings, because it is Monday and therefore we have Monday meanderings. Um, the most free form and least regulated of our squirrel chatter podcasts during the week, Monday meanderings, where I just talk about stuff. Excuse me. And I'm fighting a bit of a cough this morning. I blame the kids. I probably caught something. <laughs> I don't think I caught something. I don't feel sick. Just having a little bit of a uh, an issue there. Mm. Coffee from my What's Wrong With You People RC Sproul mug. Mm. That was a great moment in uh, Ligonier conference history. Oh, that was a good one. If you haven't watched the What's Wrong With You People video, I encourage you to go Google R.C. Sproul, What's Wrong With You People. Watch the longer version. Um, if you have an opportunity, watch the entire Q&A. It's about an hour. And uh, you, will, uh, you will learn a lot. It's worth your time. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. What do we got going on today? We have our scripture reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And as I said, it's Monday, so we got Monday meandering. So without further ado, let us begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. 
Amen. All right, and now our scripture reading today is going to be Genesis 38 and Psalm 38. So let us turn to Genesis 38. Now it happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter, of a, cert- a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. And he took her and went into her. And she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Ur. That's E-R. Er? Ur? Then she, um, then she conceived again and bore a son, and he named him Onan. And she bore still another son, and she named him Shelah. And it was at Kizab that she bore him. Then Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of Yahweh, so Yahweh put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her, and raise up seed for for your brother. And Onan knew that the seed would not be his, and it happened that when he went into his brother's wife, he wasted it on the ground in order not to give seed to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of Yahweh, so he put him to death also. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Live as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought, I am afraid, lest he also die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in her father's house. And after a considerable time, Shua's daughter, the wife of Judah, died. Then Judah was comforted. And he went up to his sheep shears in Timnah, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite. Then it was told to Tamar, Behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she removed her widow's garments from herself and covered herself with a veil and wrapped herself. And she sat at the entrance of Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah had grown up and and she had not been given him as a wife. Then Judah saw her, and he thought she was a harlot, for she had covered her face. So he turned aside to her by the road and said, Here, let me come in to you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What will you give me that you may come in to me? And he said, Therefore, I will send you a young goat from the flock. She said, Moreover, will you give me a pledge until you send it? Then he said, What pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went, and she removed her veil from herself and put on her widow's garments. Then Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, to take the pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. So he asked the men of her place, saying, Where is the cult prostitute who is by the road at Enaim? And they said, But there has been no cult prostitute here. So he returned to Judah and said, I did not find her. And furthermore, the men of the place said, There has been no cult prostitute here. Then Judah said, Let her keep them, lest we become a laughingstock. Behold, I sent this young goat, but you did not find her. Now it happened about three months later that it was told to Judah, saying, Your daughter-in-law Tamar has played the harlot, and behold, She is also with child by harlotry. Then Judah said, Bring her out and let her be burned. It was while she was being brought out that she sent to her father-in-law, saying, I am with with child by the man to whom these things belong. And she said, Please recognize this and see whose signet ring and cords and staff are these. And Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her to my son Shelah. And he did not know her again. Now it happened at the time she was giving birth that, behold, there were twins in her womb. And it happened while she was giving birth, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread to his hand, saying, This one came out first. And then it happened, as he drew back in his hand, that, behold, his brother came out. So she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez. Afterward, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and he was named Zerah. 
And now Psalm 38. A Psalm of David to bring to remembrance. O Yahweh, reprove me not in your wrath, and discipline me not in your burning anger. For your arrows have pressed deep into me, and your hand has pressed down upon me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities go over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. My wounds stink and rot because of my folly. I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long. For my loins are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am faint and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength forsakes me, and the light of my eyes, even that has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my kinsmen stand far off. Those who search for my life lay snares for me, and those who seek to do me evil have threatened destruction, and they meditate on deception all day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear, and I am like a mute man who does not open his mouth, and I am like a man who does not hear, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For I wait for you, O Yahweh. You will answer, O Lord my God. For I said, Save, lest they be glad over me, who, when my foot stumbles, magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I confess my iniquity, I am full of anxiety because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and strong, and those who wrongfully hate me abound. And those who repay evil for good, they accuse me, for I pursue what is good. Do not forsake me, O Yahweh. O my God, do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's devotional is entitled, The Two Ways. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Dr. MacArthur writes, Two gates lead to two different ways. The wide gate leads to a way that is broad. The narrow gate leads to a way that is narrow. The narrow way is the way of the godly, and the broad way is the way of the ungodly. The only two ways people can travel. The way that is broad is the easy, attractive, inclusive, indulgent, permissive, and self-oriented way of the world. It has few rules, few restrictions, and few requirements. All you need do is profess Jesus, or at least seem religious, and you'll be accepted into that group. The narrow way is the hard and demanding way, the way of self-denial and the cross. When Jesus was asked, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? He replied, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Luke 13, 23 and 24. The Greek word for strive, agonizomai, indicates that entering the door to God's kingdom takes conscious, purposeful, and intense effort. The narrow way is for those who want God's kingdom at any cost. Make sure that, you, that you're following Christ as Lord along that narrow way. Ask yourself, we certainly live amid a Broadway mentality, a mindset that can worm itself into our own way of thinking. But what has God taught and shown you during those times when you've been most devoid of worldly restraints? when your life has been most wholly devoted to his word and his ways. All right. And now, Monday meanderings. Well, as you know, there was no squirrel chatter on Friday because I was up at Camp Utmost for the winter retreat, which is uh, junior high and high school, uh, 6th through 12th grade. 
and it was a, a good time. Um, not quite as last, last winter retreat last year, it was packed. We had, you know, I mean, we had a lot of kids at last year's winter retreat. Um, this year was not quite as packed. Um, there are, uh, four guy cabins and four girl cabins at camp. And we only use three of each this time around, but, uh, that, that was fine. We had a good time. Um, and, uh, it was a good crowd of people. And, and the, the smaller the crowd, the more time you get to spend with individuals, which was, which was nice. Um, so the, uh, the way the, 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 the fun, the, the way the winter retreat works is it's begins Friday afternoon at five 30. So everybody can get out of school and get up there and all of that. So Friday afternoon at 5.30, everybody gets off school, gets off work, gets up there. And uh, we begin with, you know, we have a, a small welcoming assembly where basically just go over what we're going to be doing and, and uh, you know, these are the rules sort of thing. Just to, you know, kind of an orientation welcome time. And then, you know, everybody's already settled in their cabins by then. And, uh, then, uh, and yes, <laughs> they did give me cabin five. I always get the cabin right next to the bathhouse. They're good to me that way. <laughs> it's good to be an old counselor and have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, uh, empathy from, uh, the camp organizers knowing that, uh, I usually have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. So having me close to the bathhouse is always a nice thing to do. So I appreciated that. And, uh, so we had a, had a good cabin full of guys. Um, most of them, uh, I think, yeah, most of them had been, most of the campers had been in my cabin it, during previous camps, either junior high or high school. So I knew, knew most of them. I think there was only one. Yeah. I think there was only one that hadn't been in my cabin previously. So that was good. It's, it's, you know, you already have a relationship. It, it, it's easy to, easier to talk about stuff. Um, so Friday night we had, you know, you get welcome, then you have dinner. We had spaghetti. It was great. And then after dinner, the fun begins. You know, first after dinner, we had a game. Uh, don't remember what it was. It was inside. It was for a winter retreat, it was a warm, rainy winter retreat. Um, the The temperatures were in the high 30s most of the weekend. Um, and it was drizzly most of the time, either sleet or rain. Um, and Saturday, it was treacherous walking down the road from the lodge to the cabins. And so... That was one of the things that, you know, people didn't do much. <laughs> you got to the lodge, you hung out at the lodge. There wasn't a lot of ac outdoor activity um, until the sledding competition began Saturday afternoon. So let's talk about the sledding competition because that is the fun thing that is done. It is a duct tape and cardboard sled building competition. And you have to form teams, and they're self-selecting teams. You know, get together with three or more. Um, that's the three is the minimum number of, of teammates. So you get together with three or more people. You are given cardboard and duct tape, a limited supply of both. It's not an unlimited supply. And using cardboard and duct tape, you build a, you design and build a sled. The sleds are then judged on two criteria. There, there's a, a reward given for the best designed sled. And this is usually an aesthetic thing. And uh, this year's winner was Baby Shark, which uh, three young ladies built. And it was a very good looking shark that they slid down the hill in, um, and they won the design competition. 
And then the other, uh, the other criteria by which the other award given is the best run down the hill. Now, each sled is only allowed one competitive run. Now, I said, it, you know, it's three plus, three plus members on a team. The trick is every team member, and you're registered, we know who you are. Every team member has to be on the sled going down the hill. So that, that first competitive run, that's the only run that counts, that first competitive run has to have every team member on the sled. Well, we had a team that had, I believe, nine members. They didn't win the um, design contest because basically they made a very, very simple cardboard toboggan. It was just a flat, long, flat piece of cardboard with uh, that they had coated the entire bottom of with duct tape to make a slick, slidey surface. And then they had rolled the end so that it wouldn't dig into the, to the snow. And like I said, with nine members on that sled, they had the longest run by far. They probably, you come down the sledding hill and then you slide out into a pasture. And from the bottom of the hill to where they stopped was twice as far as any of the other sleds made it. Um, the sleds didn't last all that long because it was 40 degrees and raining and rain is hard on cardboard. Um, so each sled got two or three runs for fun because after the competition, they just sled down the hill. And then most of the kids switched to inner tubes to slide down the hill. Um, but that is the fun, fun time. Um, but, uh, so we had, we had four chapels, you know, Friday night had a chapel, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and then Sunday morning had a chapel. Um, our teacher this year, his name was Eric. I didn't catch his last name. Um, he, uh, I mean, I, I was told his last name. I just don't remember it. He, he did a, a very good four part series, um, from the life of Gideon about living a life of obedience. And, and that was a, that was a very good, good series. Um, and then in Friday night and Saturday night before bedtime, the, the last thing of the day is we have campfire. And now this is based on our summer camp campfire, which is actually outside around a campfire, <laughs> but at winter retreat, it's, uh, um, uh, just in the chapel, but, uh, we have the snacks and, you know, more music and, and uh, singing and then, then a sh much shorter message. Um, I, I did the Friday night campfire, um, just did a simple message from Luke 18 and the, the rich young ruler and uh, pretty much a basic gospel presentation. Um, and, and that was... Friday night. I did not hear Saturday night's chapel because I went to bed early. <laughs> um, I did not sleep good Friday night. Uh, strange place syndrome. The, the first night somewhere different is usually a hard night to get some sleep, especially when you're sharing a cabin with 15 other guys because <laughs> there are eight sets of bunk beds. So, and actually we had one empty bed. So there were, there were, uh, 14 other guys. Um, the cabins will hold 16. So um, the the noises of the night and all of that, I, I probably got maybe three hours sleep, and that was not in a one single uninterrupted time on Friday night. Well, for one thing, it was after midnight when we got to the cabin, which is well past my bed. Excuse me. And then not having the uh, opportunity or the, the ability to really get a good night's sleep. Slept much better Saturday night. But uh, I, I, I will admit I got home yesterday and I, uh, I sat in my recliner and watched some TV and then went to bed. 
very disappointed in what I was watching um, last night. Uh, TV show. I it was a it's a TV series from I think 2002, um, and it's on Apple Apple Plus Apple TV Plus, and which is one of the very limited numbers of streaming services that we have. Um, and I we were watching that and, uh, I, I had wanted to see it. It, it was, it, it looked like a, a very, very interesting, uh, you know, it's a, a Victorian era, uh, monster thing in the Essex marshes and, it it seemed like a you know the reading the synopsis oh this would be pretty good and Claire Danes and Tom Hiddleston and and uh, uh, oh I can't think of the actress's name um, the French actress that played uh, uh, Fleur Delacour in uh, Harry Potter um, she's in it as well so I was like oh it's a really good cast um, looks like an interesting story and then we started watching it. And the thing that disappoints me the most, and, and it, it, I say disappoints me, it shouldn't, it doesn't surprise me, but it does anger me in many ways. It, the thing that disappointed me the most is the depiction of Christianity. Tom Hiddleton plays a Anglican priest. Um, and he is basically a liberal non-believing priest and his um he is represented as a rational and reasonable man he has a uh, another priest in his parish a sub-priest don't i don't ask me the the uh hierarchy in a in an anglican parish i'm not up on that but he had a, a sub-priest, and the sub-priest was the irrational, reactionary guy who supposedly really believed the Bible. And it, it turns out, after what we watched two episodes of this show last night, watching you know, during dinner and just hanging out and relaxing after I got home. And, um, I, I finally, I said, I don't want to watch any more of it because it just wasn't enjoyable. And the, the reason it wasn't enjoyable was just, I get very angry at Hollywood's or Britain's, how, whoever made this production, it's listed as an Apple original, which just means that Apple kicked in some money when it was being made, um, but uh, with all the British cast and everything, it was definitely filmed in the UK. I don't know the production company. I wasn't paying any attention to that. But the, the, the leftist elites who control the media production and the depiction, you know, the, the, those who actually, quote unquote, believe the Bible in TV shows and movies are always shown as being, you know, hateful, reactionary, um, irrational bigots. Whereas those who are atheists or agnostics are always reasonable and thoughtful and, and, and never reactionary and certainly not prejudiced in any way. Um, so it just, it was a, a very silly not silly, very sad show. It was the Essex Serpent. We watched two episodes, probably not going to finish the series. I, I, I don't care to know what happens. <laughs> um, they, they've lost me as an audience, but it's, it's sad. The things that we see on our viewing, um, how the depiction of Christians is always now. And it's only Christians, you know, you're, you're not going to see a depiction like that of Muslims. In fact, they, they go over backwards to, to downplay the Islamic uh, nature of 
global terrorism in 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 uh, TVs and movies. I, I think back to one of one of Tom. I, I love Tom Clancy's books. Great stuff. But he did a book called um, "The Sum of All Fears," that involves a nuclear terrorist attack where they blow up um, the stadium where the Super Bowl was taking place. I think it was Denver in the in the book that the Super Bowl was in Denver, which would never happen because it's an outdoor stadium and they're not going to have something that far north in the middle of winter for the Super Bowl. But I think it was Denver. And they they detonated this nuclear bomb and and it was it was to assassinate the president but it turned out he wasn't there and there was there was he was supposed to be there but he wasn't so they they ended up nuking Denver and taking out the Super Bowl um and in the book these are these are arab palestinian islamic terrorists well when they made it into a film, it's not the best film adaptation of a Tom Clancy novel. But when they made it into the film, they made the terrorists white neo-Nazis. Because <laughs> at that time, it was politically incorrect to say anything negative about Islam and point out the fact that the vast majority of global terrorism right now is in is is islamic in nature um so uh, the the but you can you can bash christians all day long but you don't see you know a lot of anti-buddhist movies <laughs> um you know, too many people in hollywood claim to be buddhists uh so they they're not going to knock buddhism um so anyway, all that to say, I had a good time at, at uh, the winter retreat over the weekend, um, renewing old relationships, making new relationships, had a good time. Um, it was a fun time. All right. Yesterday marked 55 years for John MacArthur at Grace Community Church. Yesterday was the anniversary of his becoming pastor in 1969 at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. Um, in the, what, what, what at that time was a, a very small church on Roscoe Boulevard. Um, we know that because the original building is still there and it is the chapel building today on the Grace Community Church campus. Um, that little building, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's used for the seminary chapel services it's used for, you know, many other purposes as well when you don't need the big worship center, but you need a smaller, smaller space for, I've been to a wedding there. Um, you know, it's just, it's useful for smaller gatherings. So the, the, uh, you know, he, 55 years ago, John MacArthur became pastor there. Um, didn't get to see the morning service. Obviously I was driving back from camp. Um, Actually, I think I was still at camp. I didn't leave camp until almost two o'clock, so it would have been over <laughs> by then. Um, three, uh, two o'clock be one o'clock in L.A., so I didn't get to uh, to see any of that. But last night I did watch the evening service, which was a Q and A um, moderated by Austin Duncan with John MacArthur, Phil Johnson. Abner Chow, um, Nate Busnitz, and um, Matt uh, or uh, Mark Tatlock, um, Phil Phil Abner, Nate, and Mark are the heads of the 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 big ministries that have come out of Grace Community Church. Phil is, of course, executive director of Grace to You, which is the the radio and online ministry of, you know, the tape ministry. You can actually still get tapes. I found that out. It's very rare, 
Very few people request them, and if you do, they have to make one special for you. They don't mass produce them like I used to. Um, but they have kept a small tape producing machine there at Grace to You, where they can still make a cassette tape if they need to. Um, which it just cracks me up. But you know the the Grace to You was the the cassettes and the I have Grace to You cassettes in my collection from years and years ago. But the uh, Grace to You um, radio ministry is radio and television and website. And of course, all of John's sermons are available for download for free on the Grace to You website. Um, and I think Phil said last night they have two or three million sermon downloads a month. Yeah, you think about that. Um, so it's the it's the spread of the gospel, and one of the things that I have heard MacArthur say more than once, and he said it again last night, and it was it was emphasized by all the guys. Um, John MacArthur has famously said, instructing young ministers, you worry about the depth of your ministry. Dig deep in the word. Be a serious student and a serious proclaimer of biblical truth. You worry about the depth of your ministry. Let God worry about the breadth. Yeah. So basically his advice is don't try to build a huge following. Dig deep in the word and teach the word. And if God wants you to have a big following, he'll give it to you. John MacArthur, all of these things, the the uh, the grace to you, the radio ministry, the tape ministry, all of that wasn't started by John. When he started preaching at at uh, Grace Community Church, they recorded the sermons for distribution to shut-ins, church members who are unable to travel to church due to health reasons or whatever, and to have a record of what was preached. And they started a limited, you know, there was a limited distribution of these things. And somehow somebody in a radio state, and they, they said where the radio station was, without permission, without, uh, you know, working anything out with Grace Community Church, there was a radio station that was getting a hold of these messages and they were playing them on the air. And the, you know, the way MacArthur told it last night was getting a, um, uh, uh, in a discussion where somebody said, I love your radio broadcasts. He's like, I don't have a radio broadcast. Like, well, yeah, you do. <laughs> so that's, that was what, uh, he was like, well, if we're going to have a radio broadcast, we need to be in control of that. And so that was the the whole, you know, impetus behind Grace to You, which was actually two separate ministries of the church before the mid-80s when it was spun off into its own uh, separate entity. It, there was the tape ministry and there was the radio ministry. And, and now, you know, Grace to You combined that. Um, so Grace to You is, uh, that's Phil Johnson. Um, Abner Chow is the head of Masters University. And so they told the story about how the Masters University came about, um, how this little failing Los Angeles Baptist College, I think was the name of it, that was going broke and, and in bad trouble, um, and, and how they asked John MacArthur to become president of, of this failing little Los Angeles Baptist college. And that, 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 you know, calling John MacArthur as president and, and that, that they turned that around to the master's university, which is world renowned for the quality of the education they put out. Um, and so they had Abner Chow, who is the current president, um, 
and he was there as well. And, and so they spoke about the university and where it's going and what it's doing now. And then uh, Nate Busnitz, who is, I don't remember his title. He's not president of the seminary, but he's the, he's the head dude at Master's Seminary. And, and so they talked about how this Talbot Extension campus came to be and, and then became the Master's Seminary. And all of the men that they have trained over the years since, since the Master's Seminary was officially founded there. Um, and, and how important it is for a seminary to be attached to the local church. Um, seminaries should be churches training ministers, not, you know, and, and one of the things that, that, that MacArthur brought out was the fact that the emphasis at the master's seminary has always been to train preachers, good preachers of the word of God, not academics, not, you know, high erudite intellectual exercises, but to train people in practical pastoral and preaching ministry. Um, that has been their emphasis from day one. Now, trust me, they produce some scholars because <laughs> I know some of them. Um, they produce some guys who are, who are pretty smart and pretty well, well educated and, and very able to, uh, um, to think deep thoughts. Um, but that was never the emphasis. The emphasis has always been on, on being a good pastor, being a good preacher, um, which technically is the same thing. <laughs> preaching is the primary, uh, preaching is the primary ordinary means of grace. The proclamation of the word of God to the people of God is the primary ordinary means of grace. And so training preachers is very important. And so that is what they do. So then, uh, then finally, Mark Tatlock, um, who is the head of the Master's Academy International. Master's Academy International um, has teaching centers all over the world um, I think they said they were currently at 19 and they are about to add 16 more. And these are the, the, this is the, um, missionary model that Grace Community Church has adopted. Now there are, you know, obviously they, they, they raise up and send out missionaries from Grace Church and there's always been a heavy emphasis on that. Um, but even more important for the long-term health of God's church on earth, the Master's Academy International focuses on teaching people in, native people in the other countries. So if you have, um, I said their, their newest training centers in Myanmar. So it is designed to instruct you know, Burmese people, Burmese pastors, to better lead their churches in Myanmar or Burma. I prefer Burma, but nobody asked me. So, um, you know, the, 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 the Burmese churches need pastors. Well, they don't need American pastors. They need Burmese pastors. So the training centers are set up in these other countries to instruct people from those countries in how to be pastors. Now, the way it started, and I was not aware of this, I thought it was a very interesting thing. The first training center was in Ukraine. And as discussed when the war in Ukraine started, Ukraine had been one of the, the strongest, most evangelical countries in Europe. Um, 
but what uh what what how it started was they were approached by Christians in Ukraine as the Soviet Union was collapsing and the impetus for that was they wanted help to protect the Ukrainian church against the heresies they knew were coming. Now remember, in the Soviet Union, Christianity was, was widely persecuted. Um, and so the, the uh, um, heretics, as MacArthur put it, heretics don't go where they're going to be persecuted. <laughs> um, you, you don't find health and wealth and prosperity preachers plying their wares in Soviet Russia <laughs> because, you know, the, it just didn't fly there um, because they were going to be persecuted. If all Christians were persecuted and they stood up and claimed to be Christians, whether they are or not, they would have been persecuted and that wasn't a good thing for them. So they wouldn't go there because their whole thing is health, wealth, prosperity, comfort, um, so that was the, you know, the, we're going to be comfortable and we're going to be prosperous and we're not going to go to a place where they are going to mistreat us and we might have to go to jail. Um, it, nothing purifies the church like persecution. But with the collapse of the Soviet Union, that persecution was going to go away. And so the people in the, in the Ukraine reached out to John MacArthur to help them help equip them to resist and counter the heresies they knew were coming. And that was, that was the genesis of what became the Master's Academy International, um, which is a, a, a mission that I have supported a long time. So they talked to, you know, obviously John MacArthur was there and they were talking to John and they were talking to the heads of each of these uh, entities that, that John spearheads and that are, you know, the result of 55 years of faithful ministry. The, the, the millions and millions and millions of people who have been impacted by the preaching of John MacArthur, when it was never his intent to spread his, you know, to, to spread it far and wide. His, his focus has always been pastoring Grace Community Church, not being a radio pastor, not being a conference speaker. I mean, certainly, was he a conference speaker? Absolutely. I mean, he was a staple at, at many Ligon Air conferences, but uh, in a lot of ways that stemmed more from his friendship with R.C. Sproul than his desire to travel all the way across the country and speak at a conference in Florida every year. Um. Even the Shepherds Conference, the focus on the Shepherds Conference is not to promote celebrity pastors. The focus of the Shepherds Conference is to encourage pastors. That's why it's a pastor's conference. It's specifically a pastor's conference. It's not a Christian conference like G3 or even Ligonier. It's a specifically pastor's conference. Um, aim towards pastors, comforting them, training them, encouraging them. Um, and so we, we celebrate God's faithfulness in giving us someone like John MacArthur. And folks, he's not going to be with us much longer. It saddens me to say he's, he's old. This last year has not been his healthiest year on earth. Um, beginning a year ago um, with the heart issues, um, he's still struggling with all that. Um, keep him in your prayers. Keep him in your prayers. Keep the elders of Grace Community Church in your prayers. They're going to have, very soon, they're going to have to deal with the question of, you know, finding a new pastor for Grace Community Church. Um and as I said, nobody wants to be the guy that follows the guy. 
You want to talk about a tough gig? We're going to bring you in to pastor Grace Community Church after John MacArthur. Yeah. Um, and and but just to be honest, having a celebrity pastor, you know, even though there was never any intent to be a celebrity pastor, but the fact that they have a celebrity pastor, when John goes, there are people at that church who are there because they have a celebrity pastor. Sad to say. So there, there will be a, a drop-off in attendance. Um, I think it will be smaller than many people suspect because I know how solid that church is. And I think everybody knows, you know, John's not going to be around forever. And, I mean, clearly, you know, he's not going to be around forever at all. In, in the sense of pastoring that church, the time is drawing near. Now, he may be there another 10 years. And Phil Johnson said that's his prayer, that God will give John another 10 years of preaching. Um, and that may, be, that may be the case. Um, he's certainly as mentally sharp as ever, um, listening to his, his, his recent preaching, um, listening to him last night during the Q and a, you know, his memory's sharp. He remembers stuff. He certainly remembers scripture. He remembers all of that. So, you know, praise God for the faithfulness of John MacArthur. Praise God for all of the faithful ministers that he has provided to his church because such men are a gift from God to the church. Um, and pray for the continued health of the church. We live in troubled times. We need a strong church. And men like John MacArthur are what strengthen the church. Um, I saw, you know, I saw a post from, from Matt Kennedy yesterday. Um, Matt Kennedy is an Anglican pastor in New York. Um, who, who I listen to and, and, and very much enjoy. Um, and, and he said, you know, here's a man pointing at John MacArthur. He said, here's a man with whom I disagree on eschatology, ecclesiology, you know, he, he, he gave a, a list. He said, the baptism would be one because Anglicans are pedo Baptists. Um, so he had a, a short list. I mean, it wasn't exhaustive, but a short list of things that he disagrees with John MacArthur on. And then he said, I thank God for John MacArthur and his faithfulness because he has faithfully proclaimed the gospel at Grace Community Church for 55 years. You know, I turned 59 this year. So for all intents and purposes, John MacArthur has been preaching at Grace Community Church my entire life. And I'm not a young man. That's amazing faithfulness. The average tenure of the average pastor at a church is three to five years. And they're gone. Yeah. What John MacArthur has done, the long-term ministry at a single place, that is the model. That is the model. And so... We need to give thanks for John MacArthur, and we need to encourage more pastors to be like John MacArthur in their commitment to a single local church. And we need to be praying for churches to be committedly loyal to faithful pastors. Yeah. If your pastor's a heretic, get rid of him. If your pastor's not a heretic... You should do everything you can to encourage and strengthen him and, and pray for longevity in his ministry. You, know, you don't need a new pastor next week if your pastor is preaching the gospel and standing on the truth of the word of God. And, and so, you know, we are to, you know, submit to our elders so that Ministry in that sense would not be a burden to them because that's to our advantage. 
um, to paraphrase scripture. So pray for John MacArthur, pray for Grace Community Church, give thanks to God, and, and pray for your pastor, and encourage him, and do everything you can to strengthen him and strengthen his ministry. You know. I uh, saw an interesting series of articles uh, beginning late last week. Apparently, BMW, Honda, and General Motors have all announced that they are suspending work on battery-powered EVs, development work, not production of. They're still building them. But they're, they're, they're suspending development work on them, and they are now focusing their electric vehicle powering technology on the development of hydrogen fuel cell powered vehicles. I am so thankful for that. I have been saying for years that's what ought to be done. Because, and, and here's some reasons. First off, hydrogen fuel cells are a lot cleaner than the manufacturing and disposal of batteries. We've talked about many times the, the dirty green energy, to use Brian Wright's phrase, the fact that clean energy isn't clean. The, the production of these batteries for electric vehicles is much more destructive to the environment than a petroleum refinery ever thought of being. Um, and so, you know, getting rid of the, the battery. And, and the other factor is that, that battery technology is so dependent upon these rare earth minerals that are controlled by China. And so we're not helping ourselves when we're strengthening China. Um, but hydrogen is, to all observable science, the most plentiful element in the universe. There's hydrogen everywhere. And a hydrogen fuel cell is it, it, it hydrogen and oxygen are chemically combined in a fuel cell to produce electricity and water. It was hydrogen fuel cells that powered the Apollo spaceships. Now, the earlier Mercury and some of the, the early Gemini missions, I think they switched to the fuel cells during Gemini because they needed fuel cells for the longer duration missions. What do I mean? The shorter duration missions, where they're up there for a day or two, the batteries were sufficient. They could put a fully charged battery in the spacecraft and they could run the spacecraft for two or three days and they had enough power in a battery. But when they started staying up for two, three, four weeks and testing endurance in space, they needed another source of power. And so they switched to hydrogen fuel cells. Hydrogen and oxygen combined to produce water and electricity. And it was the hydrogen fuel cells that powered the Apollo spacecraft. Now, it was the oxygen for a hydrogen fuel cell that, uh, it was the oxygen tank that exploded that caused the problem for Apollo 13, but that had to do with the wiring, not the fact that, you know, that was a defect in the tank, not a defect in the technology. So the big advantage to a hydrogen fuel cell, A, is it's much, much cleaner. B, it removes the, the, the range restriction that battery-powered electric vehicles have. You know, it takes a long, even with a fast charger, it takes a long time to charge an EV. But with a hydrogen fuel cell, all you have to do is refill your hydrogen tank. Just like a gasoline vehicle, you can go as long as you want, as long as you have a place to fuel up along the way. Um, and that is always, that's been one of the biggest drawbacks of electric vehicles and one of the biggest drawbacks, or one of the biggest reasons that people have not been buying electric vehicles 
is the fact that it takes so long to charge the battery, you can only go so far before you have to charge the battery, and then you're sitting there for a while while the battery's charging. Um, the the laughing hysterically at some of these um, long EV demonstration trips that people have made. Um, I guess uh, there was a, an EV that, that traveled the length of Africa from tip of South Africa all the way up to you know, the Moroccan coast or something. Um, and it was championed as, oh, look how practical EVs are. They took this EV all the way. What they don't tell you is that accompanying that EV were two diesel-powered trucks that had diesel-powered generators in them. You know, one was, one was a fuel truck, one was a generator truck. So they had a, this electric vehicle that traveled the length of Africa but that electric vehicle was accompanied by a diesel fuel truck. And that diesel fuel that was in the diesel fuel truck was used to, tr to power a diesel generator that was hauled by the other truck to charge the EV every night. Or probably multiple times during a day. Um, and, and so, you know, oh, look how clean that EV is. It only requires a diesel generator and a fuel truck to go with it so that it can make a trip across Africa. Um, yeah, it, it was a propaganda publicity stunt. It, it did not demonstrate the practicality of a battery-powered electric vehicle at all. But a hydrogen-powered vehicle, all you got to do is refuel it. Just like a gasoline vehicle, you can keep going and keep going and keep going. This is the way to go. And I've been saying it for years, and I'm excited to see somebody doing it. <laughs> um, and also, last night were the Grammys. I didn't watch. have no clue. So that's my discussion of the Grammys. All right, folks, that's Monday Meandering for today. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the second to the last Sunday after Epiphany, which was yesterday. Almighty God, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you revealed the way of eternal life to every race and nation. Pour out this gift anew that by the preaching of the gospel, your salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. For the renewal of life, we pray. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant, we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. 
All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this morning, the fifth day of February. Hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week ahead of you. Remember, as you go through the week, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.